Good morning. Um, we got a, we get a lot of notifi- notifications on our uh, on our cell phones, don't we? Um, we? You know, text messages, social media, random apps, right? Uh, I have an iPhone, and the fitness app yells at me daily for not walking around enough. And I know I can turn that off, but I need something to remind me, even if I ignore it. Uh, and when we hear that, you know, when we hear notification dings we start to instantly recognize which app made that sound, right? Um, if we hear a certain sound, then we know it's a text. <laughs> Without looking, I already know which youth kid did that. Um, <laughs> if it's... Okay, I need to start over. Um, so if we hear a certain sound, we know it's a text message. Uh, if we hear another sound, right, we know it's an email, right? If it's another, it's a Slack message, right? We hear a ding, and we immediately know who texted us, right? So I'm going to test you guys. What app makes that sound? Okay, that is what the ESPN sound app sounds like. All right, so that was impressive. So that was my message. Let me close in prayer. No, I'm I'm kidding. This is an app about sports news and and scores. Uh, I would classify it as an entertainment app. We see or hear the notification sound, and we immediately check the score of our favorite team. Are they winning or losing? Can anyone identify with this? Just me. You guys going to leave me hanging dry here? Okay, thank you. Thank you over there. <clears throat> okay. Well, we are in Daniel chapter 3 today. But first, let me summarize the first two chapters. Um, in Daniel 1, uh, the Israelites are conquered by the Babylonians, and then they're forced to learn a new language, new education, even new food. But Daniel and his friends ask that they only eat, ve- eat vegetables, and eventually they emerge as wiser and smarter than all the other magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. No one can interpret it except for Daniel. And so not only does Daniel interpret it, he actually tells the the, the king the actual contents of the dream itself. So after all this, I really don't know what King Nebuchadnezzar was thinking because in today's passage, he builds an image of gold. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn turn to Daniel chapter 3 and you can follow along with me in the slides before we dive in. uh, Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with us here today as, uh, as your word is preached. I pray that you send the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts, our need for repentance, our need for forgiveness, Father. I pray that our faith is genuine and true. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, verse, uh, we're going to do the whole chapter. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and he set it up and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned a whole bunch of people, okay? The satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So, <laughs> the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials 
assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. So King Nebuchadnezzar makes an image of gold. And we don't actually know what the image looked like. Was it of himself? Was it his, his Babylonian gods? We're just not sure. It just says image of gold. Now 60 cubits is about 90 feet tall. 90 feet seems pretty tall to me. Does anybody have an idea of how tall 90 feet is? Yeah, me neither. So there's this statue in Montana called Our Lady of the Rockies. Has anyone ever been there? Nobody? Where's Nelson and Jennifer? Surely they've been there. They're like massive hikers. It was built in the likeness of Mary, the mother of Jesus. This statue is, is 90 feet tall. Uh, this gives us the scale to the size of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, built. Uh, the picture on the right, those are people near the base of the, of the statue, if you, if you can see that. Um, so that, that, that should, that should kind of give you um, uh, a size there. Right? So that's a pretty big statue, and that is roughly the size of the image of the gold that King Nebuchadnezzar made. Okay? Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the, that's a whole bunch of instruments, the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. To me, man, like this dedication ceremony just took a dark turn, didn't it? <laughs> right? And I think there's a reason he invited all the important people, right? It's so that they would bring back to their area of responsibility the command to worship this image, right? You, you get all the heads of state to worship it, and the people should fall in line. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. It's interesting that, like, I read this um, for the first time in a long time, and I think it's interesting that this must have happened immediately. It's like a test, right? They announce, okay, bow down when you hear these instruments playing, okay? And, and they're like, oh, what's that I hear now? Instruments playing? Right, you, you better be bowing down right now, right? They, it's kind of like this immediate test. King Nebuchadnezzar is like, as soon as you hear the sound of these instruments, you must fall down and worship this image of gold. And, to, and today, I kind of feel... As soon as you hear the phone notification sound, you must check the notification. You must check the score of your favorite team. You must see who texted you. And I, I don't think we worship 90-foot images of gold today, but I do feel that we need to be careful about who or what we do worship. And our idols these days are much more subtle. They're not huge 90-foot statues, but they might, be, they might be in our pockets that we carry around all day. In verse 8, this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the harp, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. All right, so they're buttering him up, right? All right, they're reminding him of his own decree. Verse 12 but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, Majesty. 
your majesty. They serve neither your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. I don't know if they did this out of jealousy or they're trying to curry favor with the king, but the astrologers just called the Jews out. Furious with rage, King... uh, Fierce with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? See, he wants to confirm their behavior before he executes them. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But, If you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You see, King Nebuchadnezzar probably believed that each person had his or her price and that no one would dare defy him. Blazing furnaces are hot. So King Nebuchadnezzar threatens them, but he he does give them a chance to change their minds. And I was thinking... The way he talks to them, he thinks he has the upper hand. As if to say, you know what? I've got all the power here. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And let's face it, when a person says, what God will be able to rescue you from me? That person thinks they're pretty powerful. To be that arrogant to say that, that means they are more powerful than the gods, right? If you are bullying your your sibling and you say to your sibling, not even our parents can save you from my hand you're basically saying i'm more powerful than my parents our parents right this is the level of king nebuchadnezzar's pride right now this is the this is his ego right now what god will be able to rescue you from my hand look how powerful i am the three men don't even flinch shadrach meshach and abednego replied to him king nebuchadnezzar We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They're in a tough situation. But the right thing to do is the right thing to do. King Nebuchadnezzar threatens them. He gives them a chance to change their behavior. And they basically say, nah, nah, bro, we good. So how do you think an arrogant person like King Nebuchadnezzar is going to react? Oh, oh, okay, my, my my apologies for overstepping my bounds. No, he's he's gonna become a rage monster again, right? Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. He's furious and now it's personal and he goes overboard, right? The the fire is seven times hotter. He gets the strongest soldiers to tie them up to make sure that they can't escape. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace the king's command was so urgent and the fire so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace 
if this was the end of chapter three, if this was the end, if the story ended here, we think that we would know the ending, right? We wouldn't need to be told, right? We could, we could write the story ourselves. It, the end of the, this chapter would be, and the three men died and King Nebuchadnezzar had the last laugh, right? That would be the end of the story. After all, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their heads singed. The robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Oh, interesting. A moment ago, it was, um, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And now he's calling them servants of the Most High God. How quickly our attitude changes. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. I want you to notice the language here, and we'll get back to this later. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise be to the God of them. Not praise be to my God, or praise be to the only God. Praise be to their God. In light of witnessing all that just happened, he's still not praising God as his God. Praise be to the God of these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Assume, assume the rest of the Jews. Therefore, I decree that any... Uh, let me go back. Uh, Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Again, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not my God, but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar still acknowledges God. I mean, he's seen his power twice now. First with the dream interpretation, and now this. But he doesn't worship God or turn from his evil ways. He only acknowledges that this God saves. This God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then, then what does he do? He has an Oprah moment, right? You get a promotion, and you get a promotion, and you get a promotion, right? He, he, he gives everyone a promotion. So I just want to summarize real quickly. Thank you for getting that reference, Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar makes an image of gold. And when you hear this music, worship this or else. The astrologers come forward. Uh, we didn't see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worship do this. Nebuchadnezzar gets mad, confirms with them if it happened. He gives them the chance to recant. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no, we're not going to bow down. Nebuchadnezzar gets even madder. He's up the furnace more, has soldiers tie them up. 
Nebuchadnezzar then sees four men. He calls them out. He sees that are unharmed. And Nebuchadnezzar then says, well, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If anyone says anything against this God, then I will cut them into pieces and turn their houses into piles of rubble. That's our story for today. I think it's, I know there's different ways to preach this passage. I think it's easy to villainize King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, indeed, uh, he is the, the antagonist in all these stories. But I argue that we are perhaps more like them, more like him than we think. And so I want to make two points, two analogies. Oh, I was on the wrong page. The first is that King Nebuchadnezzar had a huge amount of power, but he misused it. I know he wasn't a believer, so this analogy isn't perfect. But he did witness and experience firsthand the miracles and power of God. We are pretty well off here in the San Gabriel Valley. We definitely have the financial resources to help enlarge the kingdom of God. We, not, we might not build 90-foot statues to be worshipped, I get that. But do we get caught up building our own little kingdoms here and there? Where, where is that fine line between being good stewards of our money and providing for our family versus being overly indulgent in building our own little kingdoms here on earth? I don't have an answer, but I think each of us, myself included, needs to think about this, meditate, and evaluate. And I also think everyone's situation is different. So an answer for one person is not the same answer for another. Like, there's no, there's like no ma- uh, maximum adjusted gross income on our tax forms. <laughs> that if you're over that, then you're guilty you know, of building your own kingdom, right? And if you're under that, then, then, then you're good to go. We're all different people. We are only meditating on ourselves and not judging others. In Daniel uh, 2.37, Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. But he misused his wealth, spending on his own inflated ego. In the previous chapter, right, do you remember? He had this very troubling dream by God. And instead of learning from it, you know, this, this big warning, like he builds a 90-foot image of gold, and he thought he was worth every ounce. And it's not like he built a statue, you know, do you remember the dream? is a statue of different you know, clay and, and bronze and iron and, diff- and, you know, and, and different, and maybe he put a rock next to it, right? You know, to symbolize the rock that was going to destroy the statue, which became bigger and fills the whole earth. Like, he didn't, you know, like memorializing his dream, like, hey, this is an important warning for all of us. It was obviously another image. Enough so that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, no, we can't bow down to that. And we're going to read in the next chapter that King Nebuchadnezzar squandered the riches that God gave him. He was not good, a good steward of his money and resources. So instead of relieving the oppressed people like he could have, King Nebuchadnezzar fed his pride. He fed his vanity. Okay, that was the first point, that Nebuchadnezzar had a human, huge amount of power, but he misused it. And it got me thinking about how we can better use our resources. And, it, and it's, not all about, it's not all about money, but how we can better use our resources to further God's kingdom and not our own. There's a second point I want to make. And I think it's the bigger, bigger concern. Nebuchadnezzar experienced religious activity without spiritual conversion. Nebuchadnezzar experienced religious activity without spiritual conversion. 
it would seem that Nebuchadnezzar has converted. I mean, here are some verses. You know, in, in, in chapter 1, verse 20, he found Daniel and his friends 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So he's starting to get exposed to them. He's finding them better than anyone else. This isn't a personal, uh, you know, declaration of faith. But, you know, he, he's getting exposed. He's, he's seeing this. In chapter 2, he gets his dream correctly interpreted. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Man, seriously? Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries? Man, if surely God is the God of gods, then God is the God of all the little Babylonian gods, isn't he, King Nebuchadnezzar? He's acknowledging that God is bigger than his gods. And then, if God is the Lord of kings, then you're a king, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Then isn't God the Lord of King Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, isn't my logic sound? Isn't King Nebuchadnezzar indirectly saying that therefore God is his Lord, right? And then today's passage, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels, uh, sent his angel and rescued his servants. Praise this God. What a great God. Praise him. Right? Before he was like, he called them the servants of the most high God. He's acknowledging this. And then you know what? King Nebuchadnezzar actually does one better. He's not like, oh, I'll, I'll praise God and do all these things. And I see all these uh, really important miracles done right in front of me. He's like, I'll, I'll do one better. I will protect this God's people. People of any la- nation or language. Man, people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. Man, you say anything against this God, you value your lives and your homes. Now he's actually protecting the people of God. If anyone says anything bad about this God pieces and rubble man that that really sounds like this guy he's all for god praise be to god and i'll protect anybody and then he adds for no other god can say this way i mean if you say that that means you're no other god like not even your gods your babylonian gods you're publicly proclaiming that no other god can say this way including your own and actually i said um, King Nebuchadnezzar would do one more, right? He does two more. He'll, he'll do no more. Actually, I'll do one better again. I'll promote these guys for going against my wishes. I'll make this God's servants powerful people in my own province. What a 180 degree turnaround by King Nebuchadnezzar. Just a few verses up, I will kill you if you do not bow down to this image. And a, a few verses down, just kidding, your God is amazing and you are all promoted. And yet after all witnessing, witnessing all this, he still does not commit his life. I mean, if we read his words, we might have concluded that King Nebuchadnezzar did have a new heart. He was certainly impressed. Can we say that? He was impressed. But those impressions were superficial and temporary. Yeah, he gave protection to God's people. Yeah, he promoted the three Jews. But there is no deep spiritual change in him. Are we like King Nebuchadnezzar? Do we have religious experience but no spiritual conversion? And this is what I worry about. Mike likes to talk about the LA Rams. So I'm going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. They are a football team. 
Uh, my former church in Wisconsin, uh, people would wear Packers jerseys to church if there was a home game. Packer fans are something else. I could say that I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers. Maybe I own a Green Bay Packer jersey. Maybe I have a poster of the team in my bedroom. Maybe I even own a cheesehead hat. Have you guys seen them? The cheesehead hats? Maybe I know some of the player names and the positions they play. This one is a wide receiver. This one is a quarterback. I could say that I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers. But if I don't ever watch the games, or at least keep up with their season, am I really a Green Bay Packer fan? Overwatch is the name of a video game. All these kids just started waking up. I could say that I'm a fan of this video game. Maybe I know the name of some of the characters you can play. Maybe I know some of the specific abilities of some of these characters. This one can transport, teleport short distances. This one can heal and even resurrect other players. Yeah, that's mercy. Cut it out. And so on. I could tell you that, right? I'm a, I'm a fan of this game. But if I don't even own the game, and I've never even played the game, am I really a fan of Overwatch? King Nebuchadnezzar, man, he, he, for, he firsthand saw all these miracles and acts of God. Daniel was able to tell Nebuchadnezzar his own dream, attributing it to God. In chapter 1, he found Daniel ten times, and his friends ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters, all the wizards, in his old kingdom. Chapter 2, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a reveal of mysteries. Chapter 3, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. And anyone who speaks against them, rubble in pieces. But was there a changed life? In the face of all this, we will find out no. He publicly proclaimed the praises and he protected the Jews, but nothing for himself. All this evidence in front of them, he even promoted Daniel and his friends, but in the end, there was no repentant heart. There was no true, genuine faith. So finally, Really, it's, it's about us. Maybe we know uh, the names of the players. Maybe we know some of the characters in the Bible and what they did and their abilities. This one made wa water come out of a rock. This one killed a guy at 10 times his size. This one got to name all the animals. This one saved every, all the animals on a boat. This one, well, he walked on water and he healed others, among other things. Maybe we know all the stories. Maybe we have great church attendance. Maybe we, treat, we even treat other people well. But if there's no changed life, no true repentance for sins, no internal acknowledgement of who our Savior is, are we really followers of Jesus Christ? Uh, you can actually, you, you can follow Jesus on Twitter, and I, I actually do. 
This is a real Twitter account. But is following Jesus on social media the same as following him in our hearts? Probably not. I want to challenge us in that we don't just admire church people or prayer groups or biblical heroes from a distance. Wow, that Noah guy was great. And Moses, awesome. That we truly are changed people on the inside. I think today's passage is a good opportunity for self-reflection. Are we changed people? Are we fighting our sinful selves? Or are we, giving way, are we going through life giving way to our sinful selves? Is there a true inner change in us? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I can't help but wonder if King Nebuchadnezzar left that image of gold standing for the rest of his reign. Did he immediately tear it down? Or did he keep it up? He acknowledged God as the God of gods and the Lord of kings. Okay, to be sure, we are saved by grace through faith alone. In Ephesians, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We can't earn our way into, into eternal salvation by being good, either inwardly or outwardly. This isn't, this isn't the way, and this is how Mike and I have been preaching this entire time. Okay, we are saved by faith alone. But James challenges us, true genuine faith will yield good works, good deeds, good thoughts, both inside and out. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's one thing to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is who he says he was. But it's another thing to believe in him as Savior. And there's a distinction between the two. Every one of us at some point in our journey of faith has to move from, you have to move from believe that to believe in. Even if we accept what the Gospels tell us about Jesus, we can still deny him, or I'm sorry, we can still deny our need for a Savior. We need to recognize the truth about our own character, about our behavior, and our own need for forgiveness. We need to understand our need for repentance. We would all probably like to think that God will protect us or save us if we always choose to do the right thing. But we know that's not the way life works. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't know what God was going to do in the in they didn't know what God was going to do in the fire. Right? They had no idea. But they do they did know right from wrong. And there was another in the fire, protecting them, saving them. One who looked like the son of the gods. So I want to encourage you all. In our trials of life and our trial by fire maybe at work maybe at school maybe in your in our marriages i believe there's another in the fire with us man with us god god with us emmanuel we're going to be talking about jesus this 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 holiday season this christmas season if if we look at history we will see that god has not always saved those who are offered the choice between their lives or recanting their faith we don't, know why, we don't know why God chooses to save some people and not others. And I wish we could, but we cannot know the mind of God. But there is only one God who deserves to be worshipped. And there is only one king whose commands are true, always true. And it wasn't King Nebuchadnezzar and his gods and, and his images. And it's not entertainment or idols or phones that we worship figuratively today. 
when the world's way opposes God's way, we ought to know which way to go. King Nebuchadnezzar had a huge amount of power, but he misused it. I hope we can all think about how we can further God's kingdom with our resources, our time, our money, uh, whatever. King Nebuchadnezzar experienced religious activity without spiritual conversion. It outwardly looked like, it outwardly, uh, let me see, it outwardly looked and sounded like he was becoming a believer. Didn't it? It absolutely did. But inwardly, there was no spiritual change. And this is what I specifically worry about for all church attenders. That some of us have attended church for so many years, praising God from our mouths. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar did. He praised God with his mouth. Singing songs, attending events. And so understandably, many people assume that we are believers, we are Christians. And yet maybe some of us are still unsure of where we stand spiritually. If that describes you, come talk to Mike or myself. Come talk to Mike or me. We would love to have an honest, heart-to-heart discussion about where you are in your journey of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it gets hard here on earth, and we we get distracted with our own little idols, our modern-day idols. You've blessed us immensely. I pray that you would convict our hearts father to love and to serve you not only the outward signs of being a christian father but there will be an inner repentance an acknowledgement of forgiveness father knowing of that need to accept your son as that sin offering on that cross where we should have been father thank you so much for sending your son to die for us on that cross that whoever would believe in him and have a true changed life would enter the kingdom of God. In your son's most holy and precious name, amen.